you are sitting on a bench, all right? As you're sitting on a bench, a lady sits down next to you. She's an elderly lady. She's maybe 80 years old, right? It's a pretty crowded park where you're sitting, a lot of people. Uh, some people throwing Frisbees. There's like a Labrador running around, a couple of Labradors, maybe even uh, like a little Corgi going on, a little Beagle going out. If you're listening to this, Tiff and Graham, your little Beagle's cruising around there. Um, and there's some kids playing, some people on the swings, a few people running around on some running trails. Maybe there's a pond in the middle of this park and there's some ducks happening there. And it's a pretty packed, hot summer's day. It's beautiful, right? And so you're sitting and you're just taking it all in and everything's very calm and serene and everything's peaceful. And then this old lady who's now sat down next to you, she starts unpacking her lunch. And she pulls out a sandwich, right? And she starts to eat the sandwich. She's eating it bit by bit. And you, she's minding her business. You're minding your business. You've maybe got a book that you pulled out and brought with you to the park this day. And everything's very calm and peaceful, okay? As this great lady, is, old elder lady, starts to eat her sandwich, you notice that she, she takes a bite and then she pauses for a second. And then she drops her sandwich out of her hand and clutches her chest, Okay, and you look to your right because it's quite a sudden movement. As you look to your right where this lady's sitting, you see on her face absolute pain. Her eyes are scrunched up, tears rolling down. She's barely breathing and then she falls off the bench onto the floor, lying now on the sandwich she was just eating uh, in the middle of this park and you are sitting there stunned. The next question you have to ask yourself is what do you do in this moment? Do you... For the sake of keeping things calm and appropriate, just ignore the fact that this old lady is probably having a heart attack. Because, I mean, after all, how inconvenient and embarrassing is it going to be to start shouting whether anyone is a doctor? Because you yourself don't know CPR. You yourself don't know first aid. You're not really sure how to treat someone who's having a heart attack. And in this big group of people, it's highly likely that someone is a doctor and someone can help this lady, right? Do you, do you just ignore the fact that this woman is dying? Or do you get up on the bench, standing on the bench maybe, and start screaming at the top of your voice, help, help, is there a doctor here? Is there anybody who can help? This lady is having a heart attack. When you do that, is it going to disturb the peace of the tranquil park? It almost certainly will. Is it perhaps a little bit... Uh, inconvenient. It almost certainly is. It isn't maybe a bit embarrassing to be screaming on a bench in front of all these people, help, help, somebody needs a doctor. It probably is. Will this inconvenience the doctor who will have to come help? And maybe some kids are going to see some things that they didn't want to see, like an old lady who's now sick and, and struggling on the floor. That's possibly true as well. But is it absolutely necessary that because of the intensity and severity of this moment, you need to get on that bench and and shout at the top of your lungs, it absolutely is. And what would people think if for the sake of maintaining uh, moral composure and for the sake of not disturbing the peace and for the sake of not offending anyone, you just sat on the bench and let the old lady die right next to you on the floor? People would think that you were a monster. People would think that you were callous. People would think that you didn't care. Because regardless of how uncomfortable, inconvenient, or difficult it was, the necessity of the moment called for you to make some noise about the urgency of the need. 
And what does this have to do with the follow-up podcast? Well, today we're talking about evangelism. Today we're going to be talking about the need for Christian people to share their faith. And this picture of the old lady in the park on the bench, I want you to hold it in your mind because this has everything to do with why we share our faith. Who is Jesus? What is He doing? And what does it mean to follow Him in the world today? My name is Matt Lewis. This is The Follower Podcast. And everyone is invited to the conversation. So you got Jesus. Uh, he's been cruising around on the planet for 33-something years. Then he gets assassinated because he's massively inconvenient. Jesus is not kumbaya by a fire. He's not a hippie. He's not uh, your friendly neighborhood anything. Jesus is the son of God who came to establish a new kingdom that threatens every other kingdom that isn't that kingdom. And so he gets assassinated. Um, but then after he's assassinated, he gets resurrected. Why? Because he is the son of God. That's why. Because he's God. That's why. Uh, and so even death couldn't hold this Jesus. And so three days later, walks out of a grave, dominant, powerful in every single way, uh, has defeated death itself. The only person in all of history, when death came knocking at his door, he just said, uh, no, thanks. And came out of the grave, beat it, overcame it, not just for himself, but for every single person on the planet. And then uh, after this, starts appearing to people and having all kinds of crazy experiences. And then there's this one encounter with his friends, his uh, disciples, and he's on a hillside with them. And this is going to be the last time that they have a conversation. And his um, command to them, not suggestion, is very simple. He says to them, listen, for the rest of your lives, I want you have one goal. Here's your one job for the rest of your lives. I want you to go to everyone, everywhere, and I want you to make disciples of them in my name. And I want you to baptize them in my name. And I want you to teach them to do everything I've told you to do. Everything I've taught you to do. What I've said is true, that's true. And they've got to believe it's true too. I want you to teach them that. I want you to teach them to live how we've been living. And I will be with you even to the end of the age as you go about this mission. That's your one non-negotiable commandment if you want to be my follower. And then there's this other part in Acts, uh, just before he gets taken up into the clouds, whatever that actually means. And uh, he says to them, listen, wait, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit, which, by the way, is the power of God alive inside of a human being. And the reason you're going to see receive this Holy Spirit is so that you can go and be my witnesses, not to some people, not just to the people who check the Christian box on their Facebook profile, not just to the people who like it or the people who are comfortable with it, but I want you to be my witnesses to everyone, to Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the earth. I want you to go to the people who don't think they need my message and I want you to tell them they need to at least have the choice. And then when all these nations have heard, when all these tribes and tongues, when all these people groups, all these ethnic groupings of human beings, when everybody's heard about what I've just done, when they've all heard the gospel, when my glory covers the earth as the waters cover the sea, when everybody's heard, uh, then I'll come back and the new kingdom will be established. Huh. What a thing. So back in the day then, these uh, first 12 guys, 11 guys at that time, they go, yep, let's do that. <laughs> so, so they receive the spirit at Pentecost and Peter preaches the first sermon and 3,000, 3,000 people in a day come to faith and are added to the couple hundred disciples who have been following Jesus up to that point, 3,000. 
And that first sermon, it's not a seeker-sensitive sermon. It's intense. (laughs) It's uncompromising. It draws a hard line about who Jesus is, and then it invites everyone to repent and be saved and receive Jesus, and then they do, and that's the crazy thing. And uh, these early disciples, they're all speaking in different languages in this moment. The reason is because there's a whole bunch of people from all kinds of different cultures who speak different languages who are in town at this time. And so a whole bunch of people who weren't necessarily looking for a Messiah that day, like Jesus, decide that by the power of the Holy Spirit that's moving through these men, they want to be part of the story, and then they become part of the story. And then this church starts growing and God starts adding to their number every single day, those people who are being saved by this incredible new reality that is the kingdom of God and whose lives are being aligned with truth as as it is in the person of Jesus. Um, And it grows and grows and grows. And as it starts to grow, more and more persecution starts to break out. And then you get this guy, Stephen, he actually gets killed uh, for his faith. He's getting stoned. And as he's getting stoned to death, Uh, his declaration is that he sees Jesus in all his glory and dies, a believer dies convicted and convinced that everybody needs to know. And these disciples, they go out and they they share this message. And Peter, who uh, denied Jesus three times, he actually ends up being crucified for his faith, but he doesn't want to be crucified in the same way as his Savior. And so tradition tells us that he was crucified upside down. And Andrew uh, he also ends up being crucified, but on a, uh, on a cross that's shaped like an X. Um, and uh, history and tradition tell us that while he's dying on that cross, he preaches the gospel to every single person who's walking by until he doesn't have a breath left in his body. And old Doubting Thomas, he actually ends up going to be a missionary in India and uh, telling them about the gospel in that place. And uh, tradition tells us that he was, he was also killed in the most brutal Way. And actually 11 of those initial 12 all died because they were so serious about doing what Jesus had told them to do, which was one simple thing. Make sure everybody knows and then teach them to live as I've taught you to live. And I'll be with you to the end of the age. Hmm. How do you think our world today would respond to this kind of thing? Uh, would they call it intolerant? Probably would they call it inappropriate? Uh, almost certainly. Would they call it insensitive? Uh, definitely. Yeah. If, if uh, today people just started insisting that Jesus alone is the way, the truth, and the life, and that uh, he is the Son of God, and that he is reality defined, um, and that if we come to him, we have life and life to the full, not only for this life, but into eternity. And that actually all people need to repent. In other words, turn around, turn away from their way of thinking and embrace the truth of who Jesus is. And in that repentance is a kind of salvation that resuscitates the soul that they have been denying. And they will come alive to their humanity and then be agents of the reality of God in the earth. uh, Because the Messiah, King Jesus, has come. If we insisted that that message was true and that everybody needed to hear it and at least have the chance to reject it, Uh, how would that be received? Probably not well. It would probably disturb the peace of the park. (laughs) Uh, But here's the thing. It's still necessary. Because while some people are enjoying the peace of the park, throwing a frisbee and uh, walking their dogs and having a run, uh, the reality is that some people are dying. 
And actually the majority of the people are dying. I, uh, as you are listening to this, I'm in a nation where the dominant, one of the dominant ideologies involves a caste system uh, where different human beings are ranked according to different values. And some people are more valuable than other people. And these people, their worldview, they understand about themselves that because they sinned in a, in a previous life, they've come back now as, as inferior human beings. And it's actually the will of their many gods that they should live in the most atrocious circumstances and be treated like subhumans. Huh. These people are dying. And I carry a message of a God who runs toward them, who knows their name, who loves them deeply, who sees them as valuable, who calls them up out of the garbage dumps where they live, who wants them to be whole and healed, who when he looks at them, he has affection in his heart for them, who, who, who made them with plan and purpose and reason. Now, if I'm going to hold that message in for the sake of not disturbing the peace, I would be a, a horrible human being. See, this is evangelism, friends. Uh, I know that uh, we live in a world that would rather that Christian people uh, just keep quiet. But the thing is, we can't. <laughs> we can't. And he, there's a couple of reasons why we can't. Number one, our first allegiance is to Jesus. Yeah. So if you're listening to this and you don't believe in God and you don't believe in Jesus and you would actually just rather that uh, Christian people stop talking about their faith with, with due respect and, uh, you know, without, without being too confrontational about it, uh, you, you are not my God. Uh, I, I believe with everything inside of me that Jesus is my God. And I, be, I believe that he is God and I believe that he is Lord as well. That, that, that word Lord... Um, it, it, it assumes authority. So, uh, the, you know, we are so entitled in our democratic worldviews and we're so convinced uh, about the power of our rights to choose. But when it comes to the kingdom of God, it's not really a democracy, is it? It's a, it's a kingdom and he's king, he's Lord. And so the phrase, no Lord, it doesn't actually make sense. If he's Lord, the only response is yes. And he's very clearly told us what we need to do. We need to make disciples. We need to be ready at all times to give an account of the hope that is within us. Uh, we need to be those who, who are carrying the good news wherever we go. We need to be ambassadors of the kingdom of God. We need to be uh, agents of reconciliation, pleading with people to be reconciled with God. Why do we need to be these things? Because first and foremost, our allegiance is to our King Jesus, and he told us to do it. And so will that make us less popular in the eyes of men? Uh, in the eyes of some men, yes, probably. Um, in some circumstances, may that mean that we, we get persecuted for our faith. Yes, we might just. Uh, but, you know, Jesus is quite clear about this. Blessed are you when you're persecuted uh, for righteousness' sake, because in the same way they persecuted the saints and the prophets before you, and they persecuted him for truth, right? Truth is a polarizing force. Um, That's why Jesus says, I didn't come to bring peace but a sword. Uh, now, that doesn't mean that he's militant, but what that does mean is that he understands the truth will divide a room like little else will. Um, but the same people who are offended by the light, uh, th there are other people at the same time who, for whom that light is salvation. 
And unfortunately, we can't keep quiet just to appease those who would rather live in the darkness because there are a whole bunch of people who are just hoping that someone will turn on the lights. And so, you know, a worldview of caste system where some people are less than human, it works if you're at the top of that caste. Yeah. Yeah, if you, if you were born as one of the privileged few, then of course you don't want people to be declaring truth in your nation. Uh, you don't want people to be declaring the truth that it's not right, that uh, the minority get to live off the back of the masses. Um, but, but listen, there's, there's masses who are caught up in the darkness just waiting for someone to come and declare truth, someone to come and turn on the light. And so we got to go. So we got to go because we're obedient to our Lord. we got to go because it's true. <laughs> it's true. Friends. And that's our conviction, you know, and this is what we talked about last week. Like, it's true. Uh, Jesus came. Jesus died. Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus is the Son of God. And uh, his invitation is to all people at all times, in all places, to come into beautiful friendship with God. And why wouldn't you want that truth? I understand why some people reject Jesus if the story that they have been told is of an angry God and all that this angry God wants to do is send them to hell and fire and burn and etc. 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 And listen, God is holy and sovereign and there is consequence for rejecting truth in the same way that there's consequence for jumping off a building. Gravity exists. Gravity doesn't hate you. It just is real. And so if you jump off a building, you're going to understand what gravity is, right? Jesus doesn't hate you, but at the same time, he is non-negotiably himself. But here's the thing. The gift of Jesus is nothing less than eternity. The gift of Jesus is nothing less than the fullness of life. The gift of Jesus is a whole beautiful heart. The gift of Jesus is restored humanity. And his invitation is to every single person, right? So it's not exclusive. It's just specific. It's everyone through him. And it's true. So how, how can we keep that to ourselves? How can we keep that to ourselves? Right? The third thing is, uh, you just can't not talk about what you love so much. <laughs> right? Uh, I was here in Germany for the Rugby World Cup in, uh, when we won in South Africa. Well, when we won in Tokyo as South Africans. And man, when we won the World Cup, uh, as as the one of the only one of only two South Africans here in Germany in that time, in this little community where I am, I don't, I really in that moment I didn't care whether you liked rugby or didn't like rugby. I didn't even care if you were interested. In fact, I didn't even care if you were from England in that moment. I was so excited about the fact that we had won the Rugby World Cup that I just ran around like a crazy person telling everybody about the fact that we had just won. And for some people, they were like, what is rugby? And I was like, you don't know what rugby is? It's literally the best sport in the history of the whole entire planet. And then I told them all five things that I know about rugby. Man, I just went off the chain because it was exploding inside of me. And it makes me think about those words from Jeremiah where he says, I've determined that I will not speak of the Lord, but even if I try not to, I cannot, because his word is like a fire in my bones and I cannot keep it in. This is what happens when you have a face-to-face confrontation with the goodness of God, 
right? When you, when you come face to face with the radical good news of the kingdom of God, what has actually happened through the person of Jesus and what this means is an invitation for all people in all places at all times. And when it changes you on the inside like it does, man, you cannot keep that thing in. It's like a bomb going off inside of you and you'd sooner explode than not be able to talk about Jesus, right? So, so number one, the lordship of Jesus, it's an obedience issue. Number two, it's true, right? Um, <laughs> if the lady's dying of a heart attack, she's dying of a heart attack and she needs help. And I'm sorry if that interrupts the peace of your park, but right now there's bigger issues going on at hand. And it's the same is true with the gospel, the multitudes of people who are living all over the world, not just in nations like where I am right now, but in, in places like South Africa, in Johannesburg, in places like England, in London, in New York, in America, people who are under the weight uh, of mental health issues and broken families and disintegrating cultures and, and, and truly wayward worldviews that are creating all kinds of messed up fruit in the society and the fabric of our world. Uh, there's a truth that displaces all that. There, and, it, and it's not just an, a philosophical truth. It's not just an ideological truth. Th th this truth is a person. He's alive and he's real. Friend, you can know God. You can have friendship with the creator of the universe. Why wouldn't you want that? Right? It's true. And more than it's true, it's good. Right? So it's not just true, but terrible. Like, <laughs> you know, like, you know what I mean? Like on Rugby World Cup Day in the final, it was true that South Africa won the World Cup, but that wasn't good news for the English. Okay, but this good news, the Jesus good news, it's true and it's good for everyone. It's so good that I can't keep it in. So if you want to talk to me about stuff, what's going to come out of me is Jesus because he's just that good. Because even if I try and keep him in, I can't. Man, he's so good. And so that's why we evangelize. That's why we share our faith. And that's why, regardless of the protestations of our world, regardless of how many times people tell us to keep quiet, we won't be able to because we must make him known. Now, a few thoughts about how we do that. Uh, quickly, one of my great uh, inspirations around this, this thought uh, is this idea of dialogical evangelism. Um, dialogical evangelism assumes basically that we don't own the truth, but that we are only ever pointing people to it. It's an idea that comes from a guy called Leslie Newbigin, who was a missionary in India for a number of years, actually. And, and I love this. Uh, Jesus is the truth. Everything I've just said about Jesus is absolutely true, right? But here's what's equally true. Jesus is not a Christian. <laughs> uh, so what I mean by that, and you've maybe heard me talk about this before, is that Christianity is not the way to our redeemed humanity. Jesus Christ is the way to our redeemed humanity. Christianity is a vehicle, but it is not without its faults, right? And so when, if Jesus were to step into your church today, there are plenty of things that he would find wrong with your church. Plenty. Plenty of things he would call to correction. No, regardless of your Christian tradition, regardless of what stream you flow in within Christianity, whether you're evangelical or Catholic or whatever you are, you have discrepancies in your faith system, definitely. And so your Christianity is not the sum total of the Christ that we worship. No, no, no. All of us must move through our Christianity to discover our Christ, right? 
And that's just, that's true. And so when it comes to sharing the gospel and sharing the person of Jesus with people, in so many ways I'm discovering as much as I'm sharing. And so there, because of this, evangelism is dialogical. It's conversational in its nature. It's not relativistic and it's not universalistic. So so it's not saying that all roads lead to Rome and it doesn't matter what you believe. No, no, no. It is profoundly convicted that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But at the same time, it's humbly aware of the fact that I don't see Jesus as he is. And so when I go to any culture, any space, any individual, when I'm sitting across the table from a person, I'm entering into conversation, dialogue, not monologue. Right? This is not a one-way street of, of verbiage. Right? What I'm doing is I'm investigating a human life. And, and here's the addition to this. I believe that if Colossians is right, that if all things are created in him, through him, by him, right? if everything comes through, if, ga- if Jesus is the gateway of creation, then there's not one person on this planet who doesn't have the fingerprints of Jesus on them. Right? So the gospel's buried The truth of who Jesus is is buried in the hearts of every human being. And so then sharing my faith is more about drawing gospel truth out of people than it is about forcing gospel truth onto people. And how do I do that? I do that through the question. More than that, the vehicle of my truth must be coherent with the message of my truth. Okay, so so many of us seek to share a message of a loving God in very unloving ways where the people that we're sharing this message with become collateral. They become projects. Uh, They become stats on our missionary report back letters, right? Instead of us honoring the fact that regardless of who I sit down next to, whether that person comes from Asia, whether that person comes from Africa, whether that person comes from Europe or the Americas, regardless of who I'm sitting across the table from, this is an imago day. This is an image of God bearer, and I honor that moment. I'm standing on sacred ground every time I have a conversation. And so evangelism and sharing my faith is not using people to check off a box on my evangelistic to-do list. Evangelism is honoring the sacredness and the holiness of entering into the space of another human being and then being profoundly fascinated with who they are, what they're about, and their story. And as I engage with them and speak with them and unpack their world, I pull out of them the Christ that is actually already present in their midst. And as I do that, not only do they discover this Christ, but I discover this Christ in them to greater and greater degrees. Can you see it? That's evangelism, right? Who is evangelism for? Only the evangelists? No. Uh, Evangelism is for everyone. (laughs) Uh, All of us, all of us who have encountered Jesus have the beautiful privilege of sharing what we have been given what we have so beautifully received with those who so desperately need it. What if people don't think they need it? That is their prerogative. People are free to reject Jesus. Uh, They did it to his face when he was alive, right? How many of them wanted to kill him, to stone him, to kick him out of towns? The rich young ruler comes longing actually for the kingdom of God, but when he sees the implications of what that means, he walks away sad. Jesus doesn't chase after him and force him. Jesus doesn't picket him outside his building, telling him he's going to go to hell. Jesus allows us the freedom of our choice, but his invitation is always to say, your choice doesn't define reality, right? So if, if you choose to reject me, that is your prerogative, but then you deal the con- with the consequence of your rejection. And, and, and people are free all over the world still to make that choice today. And so as an evangelist, my job or as a Christian person, really as a follower of Jesus, my job is not to insist that people believe what I believe. 
My job is simply with integrity, uh, with zeal and with obedience to Jesus to share what I know with anyone who will listen so that they will have the choice of either accepting it or rejecting it. People can't choose what they don't know. And you would say, well, who doesn't know about Jesus today, really? And I would say, man, well, if if that's your question, you've just got to lift your head a bit, man. Because all over the world, there are nations right now where people literally have never heard the name of Jesus, literally don't know what the gospel is. Uh, don't know the good news about a God who forgives sins and friendship with this God, right? And even those who do know the name of Jesus, so many of them are misinformed about what that actually is. So many of them think that this is some kind of religious institution where you've got to pay your tithe, do your thing, go to your building, uh, check off your religious checklist, and then hopefully one day when you die, you'll go to heaven because you were a nice person. That's not the gospel. That's just not what Jesus came to declare, right? And so there's almost a re-evangelism that needs to take place in a lot of the world. And we're seeing this around the world. And here's the good news, guys. Uh, I have this wonderful privilege of being able to travel and uh, be able to see God at work in so many different contexts. Let me tell you what I see. There is resurgence of faith in so many different contexts, pretty much everywhere I travel. God is on the move in the world at the moment. We are seeing record numbers of people come to faith all over the planet. And in some of the most unexpected places, Jesus is doing what Jesus alone can do. And it's so exciting, right? But, but there are those who would reject that message. Unfortunately, many of those are, are very vocal about that rejection. And so we think that they're in ma- the majority, but they're actually not. There are so many people who are so glad. I've sat across the table from people, shared the truth of the gospel, and I've seen tears in their eyes as they, with gratitude, thank me for bringing them a truth that sets them free. How do I know it can set people free? Because it set me free. This truth has literally changed my life. The person of Jesus, who he is, what he does, what he's about, man, has changed everything about me. And why would I not want to share that with other people? So what does this mean for you as you listen to this? Uh, if you are not a follower of Jesus, if you don't believe in God, I would say one of two things. At the very least, uh, make space for people to be passionate about the thing that they love the most. And perhaps even encourage them in the integrity of their faith, because at least they really believe what they believe, you know. I watched a clip once of this guy who was an atheist himself, but he said he didn't take seriously Christians who didn't uh, evangelize. Because he said, if you, if you really do believe in this Jesus and you don't want to share that with anyone, then I, I'm not convinced of the integrity of your own faith. So even if you don't believe in God, maybe at least make space for people to be zealous about what they truly believe in. And maybe even have some respect for that, right? These people have found something so core, so powerful, so foundational that it makes them step out of their comfort zone to serve others uh, with, the, with the beauty and the power of this message. And maybe if you want to stretch a little bit further than that, maybe ask yourself the question, um, what have they found? What have they found? Huh. And is it possible that what they've found may be just as good for you as it is for them? Hmm. And if you're a follower of Jesus, then here's a great question. You know, the Bible says, be ready at all times to give an account for the hope that is within you, right? So the question then is, is there a hope within you? Is there a hope within you? As a follower of Jesus, do you live in this world as someone who is marked by a different story? Are you truly passionate and zealous? Do you relate to the words of Jeremiah? His word is like a fire in my bones. I couldn't keep it in even if I tried. Or have you allowed yourself to be pacified by the vocal minority? Um, in the world today, because I would say to you, friend, 
that the stakes are higher than you can imagine, right? And if you're just sitting on the bench, allowing someone to die next to you of a heart attack so that you don't disturb the peace of the park um, and upset the picnics of the people who are around you and uh, you don't want to necessarily like make some children cry because there's an urgent need right on your doorstep, then man, you've got to reevaluate what you really think about Jesus. And so my invitation, not in an obligatory sense and not in a heavy sense, not in a burdensome sense, but, but under these three headings, the Lordship of Jesus, the truth of his message, and the passion that we have experienced it with ourselves, because of those three things, all Christians in all places at all times should be mobilized to live out their faith and speak out their faith in such a way that it has impact on the people around them. And that's what it means to be an evangelist. For some of us, like me, that will mean getting on a plane, train, boat, car, and going across the world to nations that don't have the benefit of a Christian neighbor. And for some of us, that will mean living in our workplace with integrity and speaking about Jesus in our workspace, in our study spaces, in our family spaces, some of the hardest places to share the faith around the dinner table, right? But we have this conviction that He is who He says He is. We have an obedience to the Lordship of our Jesus who saved us, and we are passionate about the truth of His message. So that's evangelism, guys. Those are some of my thoughts around it. And if you have any thoughts, please get hold of me. I'd love to have a conversation around this stuff. Uh, if you found this helpful, please share it uh, with people and leave a review on iTunes and all these things. It helps get the message out there. Um, this will probably be the last podcast just for a little while uh, as I'm away. I may update you with a few things as we go. I hope you have an amazing Christmas. If you haven't already had it, I don't think you have. You may have. I don't know. I hope you're having an amazing Christmas, and I hope that you have received the gift of Jesus. And uh, I hope you move into the new year with, with strength and uh, with excitement and with hope for the future. And uh, we will reconnect in 2020 and we'll talk about a whole bunch of wonderful things. We've got things on the radar, stuff that's stirring in my heart and stuff I want to invite you into as well to be a part of. So that'll be super exciting. Thank you for all the support and all the encouragement that's come through the podcast this year. I've really just really appreciated being with you. Like I say, I may drop an episode or two over the new year. Let's see what goes. But uh, definitely we'll be back in the new year when I'm uh, back from Asia and uh, doing the things that I do. And... um, Yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Really appreciate you guys. Have a beautiful Christmas. Have a wonderful New Year. And we'll chat again in 2020, if not before that. See you later.